I'm Sophie, and welcome to There's More to the Story, where Marie Antoinette gave you cake, but now I'm gonna give you the tea. That was very corny, but I'm sticking with it, so get used to it, folks. Uh, so this podcast is going to be kind of broken down into a similar structure every week. We're gonna start you guys off with some context, so what was happening during the time, how did life look, what other people were doing dumb things before we get into our scandal of the week. So I'll hit you guys with the scandal, get into all the nitty-gritty fun details that no one ever tells you about, and then we'll wrap it up with the general conclusion sort of outline. So the scandal of the week this week is King Henry VIII. He is probably my all-time favorite historical figure just because he was just a character. There's no other way to describe him. So Henry is most known for his uh, wives. He had six of them. The urban legend is that he killed all of them, which is super false, and I will get into that later. Um, The reason I decided to start with Henry VIII is because of all of the misconceptions, you know, that he did murder six wives. He murdered way more than six people, but they were definitely not his wives, and he was classy about it, like a king. Sent them to the executioner's block. You know, you rule in England, you might as well. So, uh, let's dive in, shall we? So, one of my all-time pet peeves is sitting in a history class and having the prop tell you about an event while you're trying to rack your brain and place it into a historical context. So, before we get into Henry and all of his drama... Uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna provide some context for you guys. So, King Henry VIII was born at a weird time. He was raised as a Renaissance prince and learned Latin and languages and humanism, but by the time his second divorce rolled around, he was very clearly part of the Reformation. So, he's sort of a bridge between the two eras. When Henry was born, the Renaissance was in full swing, particularly in Italy. Da Vinci had painted the Mona Lisa, Michelangelo was sculpting the David, Martin Luther had posted his 95 theses on the church door and had been excommunicated by the Pope, Rome was sacked, it was just a wild time for everyone, things were changing so rapidly, it's not even funny, and then Henry rolls along, and with Henry, there was a lot of issues and insecurities during his reign and stemming from his background and who he was as a person. Uh, He was part of a very new dynasty and he was not actually first in line to become king. His brother Arthur was the firstborn and in line to be king. So Henry was raised with more of a I'm the spare attitude versus his brother who was educated and primed and groomed since the day he was born. So Henry wasn't really ready for his role uh, until his brother passed away. His brother had actually married Henry's first wife, Catherine of Aragon. They had only been married for about 20 weeks before Arthur passed away. So the British royal family was stuck. They had already spent Catherine of Aragon's dowry money, so they couldn't necessarily return her back to Spain. Catherine's parents were extremely mad because she was supposed to be Queen of England, and her husband dies, and you know, the king has already spent her dowry money, so they're kind of stuck too because if she goes back, 
they lose. And if she stays, they lose too. So what they come up with is that Catherine is now going to marry Henry. So by doing that, they have to get a papal dispensation, basically a letter from the Pope clearing Catherine and Arthur of ever consummating their marriage. Because by canon law, so church law, Henry could not marry his brother's wife because she had already, in theory, slept with his brother, which the church seriously frowned upon, despite all of the church's major flaws. So they got their papal dispensation, and the papal dispensation is really important to Henry and Catherine's later divorce because they used that as grounds for the divorce. So basically, Henry was not ready to be king. And in that, he a lot of his insecurities stemmed later on in his reign because it demonstrated just how unprepared he was for his role as leader of a new dynasty in a particularly rocky time in history just because of the transition between the Renaissance and the Reformation. So Henry was insecure about himself and his position to be there. And in order to stay lineage, Henry had to produce a male heir. And that was a big part of his issue as king. He needed to make sure there was a solid leader after he passed. And by doing that, he had to have a son because, you know, women were irrelevant and unable to rule because hormones. That's fine. We'll let that one slide for now. So Henry was super obsessed with having a son, which created a lot of problems for him down the road, but it's also due to his own stupidity, so let's not feel too bad for him. Young Henry was a catch. He was attractive, athletic, well-read, well-educated, you know, a very princely prince, kind of like a Prince Harry, like another redhead we know. But as life went on, Henry got old and got fat and got cranky. So it was not a great time for his wives or anyone in his court. He went from being this charismatic, charming leader to being a very angry, bedridden, I want to say man-child, so I'm gonna stick with man-child. He was a man-child. He threw temper tantrums when he didn't get his way. If you disagreed with him, you were sent to the tower and you were either there for the rest of your life or your life was intentionally cut short because he had your head put on a chopping block. So on that super fun note, we're gonna start talking about Catherine of Aragon. So Catherine of Aragon was a Spanish princess who came to England to marry Henry's brother, Arthur, before he died, unfortunately for her and for the people of England. Um, so Catherine and Henry were married for 27 years, for a very long time. They got married when he was very young and she was older than he was, but that didn't really stop them. They were a great couple pre-Anne Boleyn. Uh, he did have his dalliances and mistresses and kids with his mistresses, but for the most part, they were a very happy couple. Um, they Their court was very well respected. They were both very religious. Catherine coming from Spain and Henry was named Defender of the Faith by the Pope before he was excommunicated from the church. So together they managed to live a decently happy life as far as marriages in early modern Europe go. Uh, Henry relied on Catherine more as a mother than a wife. She tended to mother him and coddle him and make him feel safe and make him feel special. Uh, he was a very needy man. And over the course of their marriage and the court that they established, uh, they were both very religious. I want to emphasize that again. 
because the divorce was traumatic for Catherine. She lost everything, and because she was such a devout woman, and back in the time, divorce was essentially unheard of unless the wife committed adultery, which Catherine definitely did not, nor was she accused of it, because she had such a reputation as a pious queen. The whole country revered her and looked up to her because she was well-established and kind and fair and pious, and the people of England really liked that about her. So when Catherine and Henry got divorced, it was a huge crisis of faith for Catherine. She defended her marriage to Henry and defended her marriage to Arthur. She wrote adamantly to the Pope, to her nephew, who was now King of Spain, saying that she did not lie during this papal dispensation, the one she had received almost 30 years prior, that she and Arthur had, in fact, not consummated their marriage, and anything that Henry was saying was a lie, which was a very ballsy move, because you don't usually tell a king that he's lying and wrong, especially when you're a woman, if you do want to stay alive. At this point, killing queens was unheard of, though, so... You know, Catherine slipped under the radar with that one. She lucked out. So her and Henry both knew they had to provide an heir for England. That was the main point of their marriage, to ensure a successful lineage and enough heirs and spares to maintain the Tudor dynasty in England after Henry's death. Henry and Catherine had a daughter named Mary, who would go on to be known as Bloody Mary, Um, There was also multiple pregnancies, which either ended in miscarriage, or the baby was stillborn, or survived, but only for a couple of days. Childbearing was extremely difficult during this time, and Catherine was a trooper, despite, you know, her theoretical shortcomings, having only produced one daughter for the King of England. So that was a big strain on their relationship, and also a motivating factor for Henry to go looking elsewhere for his childbearing women. Uh, He did have a son with his mistress, um, who was officially acknowledged as the king's son. However, he had no place in the line of succession because the kid was illegitimate and technically a bastard because he wasn't royal on both sides. And it was an extramarital affair. So this son proved to Henry and to the people of England that it was not Henry that was unable to produce a son, it was Catherine that was unable to produce a son. This created a giant issue because after that point in time, Henry had sort of given up on their marriage. He only had one daughter, which he did not want. He only wanted a son, and it created a huge tension between Catherine and Henry. So everything is already on thin ice. And then comes along our favorite person ever, Anne Boleyn. So Anne Boleyn was a interesting woman, let's call her that. She was not conventionally attractive, although she made up for that in her charisma, her charmingness, her education. She was fast on her feet and could, you know, take anyone in a battle of the wits. And that is what attracted Henry to Anne. And Henry, being king, was not used to hearing the word no. So when he meets Anne and proposes that she become his mistress, and Anne says no, Henry was shocked. Everyone was shocked. There were rumors swirling around, especially because Henry was already sleeping with Mary Boleyn, Anne's sister, and had supposedly knocked her up twice. 
So, you know, a little bit of Boleyn family incest going on. Haha, <laughs> the irony, wait for it. So, Anne Boleyn declines Henry's offer to be his mistress, which is shocking, but she did it. And she managed to convince Henry that she would put out only if he divorced his wife. So Anne was basically the con man of the century, and she deserves that award for the rest of time. She managed to convince Henry that by divorcing Catherine, he would be free to marry her, and she would provide him with a son. That was the whole premise of her argument, which is genius if you think about it, because you have a man so starved for male heir that he's willing to do almost anything, which includes divorcing a Spanish princess. That was a huge deal in itself. Catherine was a princess in her own right, and she came from a very noble lineage. And when Catherine and Henry were divorced, it caused a huge problem for England in Europe, because most of Europe was still Catholic. And forcing a Spanish princess, you are now making enemies of Spain and every other Catholic nation, because not only are you divorcing a Spanish princess, you're splitting from the church. So Henry's divorce is very complicated. He tried to go through the church and get up, disprove his papal dispensation, the one that he had gotten when he had first married Catherine by saying that it was false, that in fact, Catherine and Arthur had consummated their marriage. And based on those grounds, he wished divorce from his wife. But the Pope could not grant him that dispensation because he was strongly backed by Catherine's nephew, Charles, who was king of Spain and basically at this point in time had all of the Italian peninsula under his thumb. Charles was a very powerful man and had a lot of power, so the Pope did not want to piss off Spain because that would make an even worse enemy than pissing off England. So when the Pope's declined Henry's request for a papal dispensation and started scheming a little bit and Henry that he could in fact split from the church by himself that he didn't need the church and that a true king could be head of his own faith so Anne kind of planted the seed and provided Henry with the information which he then was using in order to make the decision to split from the church so when Henry split from the church, his advisors and the people of England were strongly against it, but that was not stopping Henry because Henry wanted to get into Anne's pants because Henry wanted a son. That and Anne had still not slept with him after six years of courtship, and England was falling apart at this point in time, or what felt like it at least. Court was very unstable. Henry was always in a bad mood. Catherine prayed all the time and became more reclusive. It was just not a good place to be. And when the divorce was finalized and Henry had split from Catherine, banished her to a castle in the middle of nowhere and had prevented Catherine and Mary, her daughter, from seeing each other. And it caused a lot of tension. But Anne was not necessarily a nice person and actually encouraged Henry to keep the mother and daughter combination separate, which backfires for Anne. Most things actually backfire for Anne because karma came her way and hit her with everything that, you know, was supposed to hit her with. So it was a lot. Um, 
Henry's interest in Anne suddenly decreased when Anne became pregnant. He started looking elsewhere to other women, and in the meantime, had started, you know, chatting up Jane Seymour, which irritated Anne to no degree, and the couple was known for arguing and clashing well before Anne's decline. But Anne was not Mrs. Anne when Anne gave birth to her first child and her only child, Elizabeth. Henry was crushed. So was Anne. They were both convinced that Henry would finally have a son. And when Anne failed to deliver, tensions started increasing even more because Anne was under a huge amount of stress to provide a male heir for Henry because if he had already divorced one queen, why would he not divorce a second? So a lot of tension started from there and it was starting to create problems within marriage. So things are, you know, getting tough, getting tense. Henry is no longer paying attention to Anne, which is making Anne angry. Anne is unable to provide Henry a son, which is making Henry angry. So both parties are not happy. And Henry, having already divorced Catherine, and he's feeling pretty ballsy. He got away with it. The country's doing okay. There's been no massive bloodshed or arguing over... Henry's decision to divorce Catherine. So he hasn't really felt the consequences yet. So he starts thinking, oh, well, what if I divorce Anne? Except Anne continues to make Henry angry, which is not a good thing because Henry was notorious for having a temper. So things get really, really bad. Henry divorces Anne and accuses her of incest with her brother and accuses her of sleeping with Mark Smeen, a musician, and countless other men. And as a queen, your job was to be chaste. If you are a queen and you are accused of incest or sleeping with anyone other than the king, you are automatically divorced. So Henry took it a step further, though, and decides that he's going to execute everyone. This was absolutely mind-boggling to anyone. There was trial, uh, you know, quote-unquote trial, and said nothing ever happened. And she maintained that until she was on the scaffold with the executioner ready to chop her head off. And while most executions happened with an axe, Henry decided, okay, so with the axe... It was not a smooth cut. You had to cut more than once. I know this is a little grisly. You had to cut more than once in order to get someone's head clean off. Henry decided to, you know, be a kind husband and brought in a swordsman from France. Because with the sword, it was just one cut and it was done. There was no pain or humiliation and he just wanted it to be swift and clean. So a lot of people saw that as Henry's, like, final apology, final friendliness towards Anne, which is a very odd way of showing affection, but I mean, it's King Henry VIII, so we can roll with it a little bit. Um, Now, despite Henry and his mumbo-jumbo of emotions and feelings towards his now-dead wife, 
he really did take a long time to mourn her death. He took under two weeks, I believe it was 11 days, before he remarried to Jane Seymour, who he was seeing on the side while Anne was still alive. And that relationship was short-lived, mainly because she died. Oh, look at that, all the rhyming. Um, So Jane had gotten pregnant relatively fast and given Henry his dream come true. She gave birth to a son, although he was a sickly child and continued to be for the rest of his life, dying at 15. Um, So Jane gave birth to Edward and died shortly after due to complications from childbirth. Henry was devastated. Uh, Critics say that Jane was his favorite wife, but personally... I just think that she didn't live long enough to piss him off. And the fact that she bore him a son definitely went to her advantage. Um, She is the only one of Henry's wives to get a royal funeral, a royal queenly funeral, uh, despite her not actually being crowned as queen because of how quickly the relationship progressed. So... She did not have it well, unfortunately for her, but after Jane's death, Henry went into mourning. He did not remarry for three years, which is a very long time, especially considering he was a womanizer, to say it nicely. So after Jane's death, he kind of gave himself a break from the whole marriage debacles, which he had faced in the last... 10-15 years so he kind of gave himself a break and it was at this point in time even during his marriage with Anne that Henry started becoming more of the tyrannical cranky overweight man that historians are well acquainted with today he was injured in a jousting accident and slowly became more and more bedridden so Henry's life was not on the up and up But before we get into wife number four, I do want to just give you guys a couple of dates so you can see how quickly things moved from Catherine of Aragon's divorce to Anne's marriage to Anne's execution to Jane's marriage and then death. So Henry's marriage to Catherine of Aragon went from 1509 to May 23rd, 1533. By May 28th of that year, so five days later, he was already married to Anne Boleyn. Anne Boleyn was executed on the 17th of 15, the 17th of May of 1536, and by May 30th, 1536, so once again, 11 days later or something like that, uh, Henry was married to Jane Seymour, who died by October of the following year. They were married for a year, four months, and 24 days. And then there was the three-year break, which was just probably best for everyone that Henry stopped marrying women, but you know, a angry, obese, red-headed king who thinks he runs the world is not going to take advice from anyone. So, Henry remarried. He married a woman named Anne of Cleves, who was a German. And my favorite thing about Anne of Cleves is how short-lived their marriage was. Their marriage lasted six months. They were married by proxy, so they were not actually together when they were married. Henry was in England, and 
Anne was in Germany, and they were both married by priests, and they had someone standing in for them. So they weren't actually together, but the legend is, and I'm sticking with the legend on this one because I think it's absolutely hilarious, but legend goes that when Anne came to England, Henry went to meet her on the coast, and as he saw her walk up, he turned to his advisors, said, divorce her, and walked away, and didn't even greet his brand new bride. Um... So, obviously, cameras didn't exist at this point in time. So, Anne and Henry had never met before they were married. Henry was just sent a portrait of Anne. But because the fashion and the cool thing to do in art at this point in time was to make everything beautiful, the artist who painted Anne F. Cleef's portrait took a few artistic artistic liberties, shall we call them, and made Anne look significantly more attractive than she was in real life. So Henry, being a perverted, horny man, saw Anne's portrait and was like, yes, I'll definitely marry her. But then he saw her. She wasn't exactly as beautiful as the artist had portrayed. And that was essentially the end of their marriage. So I know I said that Jane Seymour was the king's favorite wife, But Anne of Cleves had it better. Her marriage to Henry was annulled because she was so hideous that they never consummated the marriage. And because she did not protest, Henry set her up with a pretty good lifestyle. He gave her an estate, ironic, because he gave her Hever Castle, which is where Anne Boleyn's family was from. He also gave her a solid pension and said that other than the queen and the king's daughters... Anne of Cleves would take precedent over every other woman in the country. And she was frequently invited to court events. She attended Queen Mary's coronation, so Bloody Mary's coronation. And she was referred to as the king's most beloved sister. She actually ended up doing the best out of all of the wives. She had her servants. She never did go back to Germany, though. She always stayed in England, but she lived a pretty good and full life. She had money, she had power, she had prestige from the king. She was also the king's ex-wife, so that, you know, they ended on good terms, so it meant a lot then. Uh, Yeah, she lucked out. So after that marriage failed rather quickly, Henry moved on to his ex-wife's cousin, first cousin. He actually moved on to Catherine Howard. So Catherine Howard was the first cousin of Anne Boleyn and Mary Boleyn. And this marriage to me is shocking because the Howards were directly implicated with the Boleyns, especially during Anne Boleyn's execution. Howards and Boleyns both kind of secluded into the background. So the fact that Henry would remarry with another Howard slash Boleyn ancestor, it's rather shocking to me considering how much he did despise Anne. So by the time Catherine Howard married Henry VIII, Henry was 49, and because we don't know exactly what year Catherine was born, she was about 16 or 17. So that makes Henry the pervy man in the situation, the pervy old guy, and Catherine the gold digger, which basically sounds about right. One of the only reasons she married him was for political power and, you know, being the wife of the king was pretty good for most 
wives of kings. Henry the Henry VIII were maybe the exception in this case, but her uncle, Thomas Howard, arranged the marriage for her. He was one of Henry's most trusted advisors. Uh, he set Anne Boleyn up with Henry, and now he set Catherine Howard up with Henry. So Catherine was young, Henry was old, fat, and cranky. You can imagine how well this relationship was going. So when Catherine was accused of adultery with her distant cousin, uh, everyone believed it. It went to trial, and Catherine's short-lived marriage became a unsuccessful short-lived marriage. She was stripped as her title of queen consort, and she was sent to trial. Apparently, the last night before her death, she requested for the block on which her head was going to be on to be brought up to her rooms so she could practice putting her head on it, which sounds incredibly morbid to me. But, I mean, life under Henry VIII was all kind of morbid, so you see where I'm coming from. Um, So she was executed along with the men, multiple men, accused of committing adultery with her. She was young. It's most likely that she did, in fact, commit adultery with all of these individuals, unlike Anne Boleyn, who had zero evidence against her. But that is the way it is. So Henry's marriage to Catherine was evident that he just wanted to marry a young, hot thing and, you know, make himself feel better because his health had rapidly declined in the year and a bit that he had been married to Catherine Howard. Uh, He could no longer stand by himself. He needed assistance. He was almost essentially bedridden. And doctors in Henry VIII's time were not the sharpest pencils. Uh, They believed that it would his health problems would be solved by letting his blood. So they would literally cut giant slits in his legs and let him bleed for half an hour before closing them up and redoing it the next day, except nothing was disinfected. The cuts became abscesses, became infected abscesses. It was just not a good time for Henry. So by this point, he is on wife number five. Well, he had just killed wife number five. And he's getting old. And he knows he's getting old. So he remarries a woman named Catherine Parr. Catherine Parr was on husband number three. So Henry would have been her third husband. So, you know, match made in heaven. Both have multiple spouses, lots of baggage to deal with. Um, He married her essentially so he would have someone to take care of him in his old age. Henry was getting grouchier by the minute and sicker by the minute. He wasn't exactly a peach to be around by court records and primary sources. Uh, Catherine really helped him mend the relationship between Henry and his children, primarily with Elizabeth and with Mary. Over the course of all of his marriages, Henry had neglected Mary and Elizabeth and taken them out of the line of succession because they were illegitimate because he had divorced their mothers. Uh, So Catherine really helped mend that bridge and that relationship with them. She was actually a very good stepmom. She encouraged to learn. She was responsible for their education. She did try to use her influence with Henry's children and her position to influence the kids after Henry had passed. And she knew they were next in line to the throne. And Edward was sickly, so it was unlikely that he would rule for a while so she did focus her efforts on Mary primarily and Elizabeth later on she tried to mold them to what she thought her vision was she Catherine Parr was definitely not a saint 
She was much better than most of Henry's wives, but still not wonderful. Uh, so she was Henry's regent while he went away to deal with a war with the French, as, you know, he did. He despised the French on, like, a huge mass scale, hated them. So she was his regent. She did pretty well until he got back, and there were rumors swirling that she was going to be arrested, which was definitely not what she wanted. She was trying to avoid that, especially because her husband was notorious for arresting his wives and then killing his wives. Catherine ended up making up with him and outliving him. So when Henry died, Edward took the throne and Edward needed a regent because he was, I believe, nine at the time. So Edward needed a regent and Catherine conveniently remarried to the guy who became Edward's regent because she was a little bit power hungry. Um, so yeah, after Henry's death and eventually Edward's death, he ruled for a very short period of time. Uh, England was kind of all up in the arms because no one knew what to do. Were they going to go with the very Catholic Mary or were they going to go with the Protestant Elizabeth? Mary ended up taking the throne after her brother's death and being known as Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary was a character. She was still mad at her father about the way he treated her mother. And she was a diehard Catholic, just like her mom, and had been brought up as one. So when Edward and Henry die, Mary takes the throne and is instantly known as a violent leader. She would murder people who refused to convert back to Catholicism. And that's basically why now children go into mirrors late at night and say Bloody Mary three times and are convinced she's going to pop out at you. She also met a cruel and unfortunate fate, like most of the women involved in Henry's life. She ended up marrying a Spanish king, Philip, I believe the fourth. And they, everyone thought she was pregnant, but it turns out it was just a really, really big uh, tumor. Yeah, so Mary passed away from stomach cancer, at which point her sister Elizabeth took the throne and became Elizabeth I and the Elizabethan era and Shakespeare and all the glory that came with it. That's a whole other episode, though. So if you are inclined to learn more about Henry VIII's madness, there is a parody Twitter account at capital K N G. H-N-R-Y-V-I-I-I. I'll put the link for it in the podcast notes for you guys. But it is hilarious. It's probably one of my favorite Twitter accounts. And there's other historical figures that interact with this account. And they roast each other fairly and as they should. I hope you guys had a great time this week. I will see you next week for another episode. Next week is either going to be on the Borgia family or on Catherine the Great of Russia. Have yet to decide, but it'll be a good one regardless. Do you guys have any questions, comments? All of my info is on the WordPress website. There's more to the history.wordpress.com. And on that note, I'm out.